My guest this week is Craig Crawford. He's got an amazing sci-fi project with multiversal impact coming out soon. You're definitely going to want to check it out. I will obviously, and as always, have information in the show notes for you. What I really want to dive into right now is a little bit more of M. Night Shyamalan. You're probably going to get tired of hearing about it in this episode because it takes us a while to dive into the story since I get all crazy about M. Night Shyamalan. So first, I want to front load this by saying I'm a huge Shyamalan fan. I love his work. I've always enjoyed his movies. Even The Village, which I did not confess to Craig that I love, I love. I haven't seen some of his newer movies. I know there's a new one out with Dave Bautista, and some people are saying that it points to the fact that Shyamalan has finally lost his faith in humanity. Don't know, can't make a comment, haven't seen it. But, and here's the but, I do want to say that the plot holes in signs that Craig references are worth noting, and they've always bothered me because I adore the movie, but why, if you're an alien, do you come to a planet full of water if you are destroyed by water. And here's the deal, too. This is a big one, and it's could have been solved so easily if the little girl had just enjoyed orange juice. You know, she drank orange juice. And it was something in the acid of the oranges that bothered the aliens. I don't know, but man, if there was just glasses of orange juice out, how did someone not catch that moment? You can't have glasses of water all over. Yes, it's cool. The little tokens dropped along the way. All of the things swing away, swing away. That's such a great line. But how do you miss the fact that on Earth... There is water vapor in the air. The moment that the alien jumped out of the ship and took its first breath, it would be dead because there was water vapor. Anyways, rant over. Like I said, I love M. Night Shyamalan. Really, truly, Signs, The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, The Village, all those movies were working on such a high level. The Happening, love his work. If you're not a fan, that's okay. No big deal. But I am a huge fan. Moving right along. This episode features my friend and co-host, Christopher Tallon, author of Switchers, and we'll have some forthcoming episodes with other co-hosts because I'm doing kind of like a rotating carousel of co-hosts this year to kind of see what feels good. This podcast is in discovery mode. I am getting worse listen stats (laughs) lately than I had been when I knew what the show was about. But listen, I'm trying to figure out my voice. I think I'm still bringing great product. The interviews are fun. The stories are great. They're still marketing stuff from time to time. But yeah, I'm going to admit that we're in discovery mode and my ranking might kind of drop for a little while. I might I might drop out of that prestigious 2% top podcast thing that I've been so focused on. It's because I want to deliver a truly great product. And the only way that I can think of to do that is to continue to love making the podcast and love the people that I'm talking to and enjoy the stories I'm telling and see where it's going. What does TRBM stand for? You decide. That's the thing. You decide. I'll notice when listen stats start to go up and I'll pay attention to that and I will glob onto and glam onto and, you know, just get all over the moment when we all love what we're doing. Because when that intersection happens where you love listening and I love creating, we've hit the sweet spot. So hey, listen, if you're listening to the intro and you're not already exhausted this episode and moving on to somewhere else, like many of you do sometimes, then shoot me an email. Um, 
any kind of comment on Twitter anywhere that you think you can get my attention and say, the podcast could X, Y, Z. I'm open for feedback. I would love to hear your thoughts about what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, all those kind of things. And thank you so much. Please enjoy my conversation with Craig Crawford. If you've ever watched an author read in public and felt bored, TRBM is the antidote. TRBM is for writers what time-lapse was for painters. Guitar solos and spotlight were for bands. What chainsaws and ice blocks were for sculptors. What does TRBM stand for? Trapeze rejects buying merch? That's a real bummer, man. Or Tyrannosaurus Rex butt meat? You decide. I actually started writing mostly fantasy uh, early years and stuff because that's what I grew up reading. I kind of jumped into that genre and stuff. But growing up, also, my mom was a huge like horror aficionado. So that was always on the back burner, too. We were always... Friday nights at our house was creature feature with popcorn and and every time something horror played at the drive-ins, we were there. And so I wrote fantasy novels for a long time. I tried short stories and just couldn't get into them. But then about three years ago, I was just kind of mucking around, listened to a lot of YouTube horror, and I just put together a story and it got picked up after about seven or eight rejections. And it just kind of launched me off and I've just been writing horror shorts ever since. And then um, I kind of dabble back and forth between sci-fi fantasy and horror. Okay. So a couple of questions for somebody who's not deeply uh, in the whole horror genre. Um, Asimov wrote some horror and did so Mm -hmm. in kind of short story format. Is that true? Do you agree or? Probably. I don't know that I've read a lot of his short stories. I've read a couple of novels and stuff, so I don't know, but I kind of blend too. Mm -hmm. So even my my fantasy novels have little horrific aspects to them or asides or tangents. So I think I tend to, yeah. Dean Koontz, Stephen King, or uh, what's the other guy's name? I can't even think of him who who did the, the, well, let's just go Dean Koontz, Stephen King. Can't think of the other dude. Yeah, Campbell's another big horror guy. He's older, but mm-hmm. why can't I think of the guy? Um, I'm just uh, looking for like a spectrum. Who who do you think writes better horror? Not necessarily better horror, but whose horror uh, John hit Saul? the right notes? Yeah, John Saul's another one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I always make the distinction. I like the psychological, uh, atmospheric horror as opposed to blood and guts mm. horror, though it's got its place. You know, uh, so I like a lot of Stephen King stuff. Mm-hmm. He did a story which they made the movie called The Running Man. And his story is completely different from the movie. But because his story actually gets pretty blood and gutsy at the very end. And but I thought it fit and I was fine with it. I yeah. I don't go for the splatter horror. I I get bored. I'm going to get killed here. I, I get bored with the Friday the 13th and all of the, you know, slash yeah. horror. I it just doesn't trip my trigger. Mm-hmm. I like the stuff where by the end of the movie I'm sitting on the edge of my seat or looking over my shoulder or that kind mm-hmm. of thing, and that's what I try to write too. Yeah, 
So um, Hellraiser, by the way, I still don't remember the guy's name, but that's the other oh, author. Clive Barker. Uh, yeah, Clive Barker. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. I tried reading Clive Barker. He felt too like mythological for me or something. His, his yep. atmosphere I think he was, was Yep. And I think he was more of a blend of almost like fantasy with horror thrown ah. in kind of thing is how I'd read that. But I do like him too okay. and stuff, but he kind of offers a different spectrum. Last one. Do you feel like M. Night Shyamalan does good horror? Was The Sixth Sense satisfying? Is it rewatchable? I know this isn't a book, but it's still, he's the writer, director, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then Signs, those two movies, I don't even know if you've seen them, but are they good and are they rewatchable? I like a lot of Shyamalan's stuff. Mm. I've got a few that I hated, but but Signs, I really liked. I think there were, were plot holes in that movie. But I liked the theme behind it. The it mm-hmm. was to me it wasn't so much horror. It was the backdrop of aliens, but it was about a man losing his faith and refinding it. And that's why I latched onto it. I really yeah. liked that one a lot. And yeah. what was the first one you said? The Sixth Sense. Oh, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Yes, I. It was funny. My wife and I went and saw it, and she figured it out like half hour into it. What was going no on? Kidding. I'm sitting there through that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's just wow. like boom. And she didn't say anything, but I'm like, well, oh, you know, when it all came down <laughs> and she's like, oh, I knew that because I'm like, how did you know that? I thought that one was very satisfying. I liked was it a not lot. Or once. Um, oh, you did. Okay. I did. Yes. I, I thought it was a very well put together movie. I also think he kind of did himself a disservice coming out with that one when he did, because it set the bar so high for him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Extremely. Well, and, so, and Haley Joel Osment was such a good actor uh, yes. and such a surprise on the screen that it was yes. yeah, it was going to be really tough to outdo that. I also, though, and then we'll move on from Shyamalan because that's not even why we're here, but I think Unbreakable <laughs> is one of the best movies that I've ever seen. And I don't know why it doesn't I do get too. more attention. <clears throat> and I actually, I thought that Split was a really good follow-up to it. Then he ruined everything with glass. And I was like, why <laughs> did you do this? <laughs> I, I am right there with you on all three movies. I, I've got a cousin and he cannot stand Unbreakable. But I think it's the way they bill Shyamalan's movies sometimes too. Because I mm-hmm. think when it came out, everybody thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And it was but it wasn't mm-hmm. it, and I love the pacing. I thought it was this slow, you yeah. know, divulgence of, you know, the backstory of all of this stuff. And then it kind of culminated in that. And I love split. I was not even thinking about unbreakable until the last scene in the diner with mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Willis. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is such a cool yes. tie in. This is yes. perfect. And then glass was a piece of crap. I can't understand. <laughs> why why he did it if the pressure got to him it was the first time i did feel let down by him i so another another one i like i don't know why i'm doing this i'm wasting all our time talking about M. Night right. um but i i also liked the one with uh mark um marky mark that uh is the the disease oh the what is the called? happening the happening. the happening. I like that movie. I remember seeing that movie <clears throat> before I was married with, she was my girlfriend at the time and having such a divisive, like she thought it was trash and I thought it was brilliant. I was like, yeah, so it's, it's a B movie. Of course, like the blood spurting out of yeah. like the, the chopped off limb and everything. Um, I had a couple of plot problems with it, but mm-hmm. I liked, I liked the premise. I liked the idea. And for the most part, I thought the movie was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, I hated the village. 
Okay. Because I felt like it was just a two hour version of the twilight zone kind of thing. And it mm. just, I don't know. I, I think because again of what he'd done before, I was just completely disappointed with how it turned out. My, mm. my absolute favorite of his, and I think it was misbilled is lady in the water. Really? Okay. To me, it's more of a, like, it is almost like a, uh, like a kid's tale kind of thing. And I think they really tried to build it as a horror movie and it wasn't, No. but I like, I like the back themes. Again, it was kind of this atonement kind of thing. The The main character was, you know, his life was destroyed. He was hiding out and he got kind of a redemption thing. And I love that about that movie. Yeah. yeah I, I like that you mentioned that one. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it, um, but unconsciously, and this is a fun way to transition it, that story, Lady in the Water specifically, taught me how to deal with the main characters in my novel that's out right now. Um, so it's a book that on the, the surface of it feels like just traditional hard-boiled detective fiction, uh, all uh, the big sleep. But there's magic uh-huh. in it, and it takes 80 pages to get to the big magic moment. Like there's that the, the cascades a bunch of magic coming. And so my agent and I are working on this, and she's like, it's really good, but you need to leave more clues. And I remember thinking... When I unlocked the code a little bit, the guy uh, played by John Leguizamo, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, who oh, half yeah. of his body is super yes. ripped from lifting and the other yes, half is normal. You, you know, Reggie, yes. yeah, you can't actually do that in real life. Your body will, you could lift with one side and the other side of your body will try to stay up. So you'll only ever be about okay. five to 10% behind. Um, and those are the kind of psychological things that can tip you off to right. magic that's happening. He's coming in later. Yeah. yeah. And yes. And I thought he did a really good, subtle job with that character because it's mm-hmm. like, at first, it's just like, it's just a side nut, crazy tangent. But yeah. then he actually has a big role, which yes. I thought was very clever. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it too. So let's dive into some storytelling. Um, okay. Hopefully everybody who's still listening uh, is really excited <laughs> because we, we know a lot about your your kind of story building world, the mind that you have and everything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this tweet uh, okay, as well as good. your response. And we're going to dive into telling a story. I will cut okay. this little bit here, but remember again, take your time. Uh, if I don't talk or if Chris doesn't talk, it doesn't mean that we're not connecting with your story. If we interrupt you, it doesn't mean we dislike your story. It just means we want to have a fun by throwing a wrench into things or exploring sure. something. Okay. All right. Suppose you hate eating shark and have a good reason for the way you feel. Also, suppose you've never visited any ocean. What is your reason for hating eating shark? And then you replied, my cousin Jesse had a son and they went to the beach. The son was swept out into a riptide and they never found him. I don't know that he was eaten by a shark, but I can't get over how it devastated Jesse and I. And I associate sharks with it because of Jaws. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Rock and roll. Where's it go from here? I think I have one of those pivotal moments where I have to come to terms with this. So I'm I'm going to talk to Jesse, but then I'm going to book a fishing trip down <laughs> off the coast of where he died somewhere. And I'm going to specifically try to catch sharks, see if I can work through this. Is it legal? Hmm. Is it legal to go shark fishing? Anybody? I don't know. I, I know you can go <laughs> big game fishing and I know people yeah. catch sharks. I don't know if it's illegal. I think it depends on the type because okay. we caught a shark, not me personally, but somebody that I worked with when I was in the Navy when we were in um, the Bahamas and they were 
they were like, oh, pull that up. We'll kill that and eat it. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know if there were certain fish that are, I know like certain river fish around here are like catch and release or catch and kill like carp. You can catch them, but you're supposed to throw them on the bank and leave them to die because mm. they're an invasive species and their meat sucks and they're bony and they're just kind of seen as a scavenger fish. Boy, mm. imagine imagine if somebody was like, you know, those humans, <laughs> their meat sucks. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's just get rid yeah. of them. <laughs> just exterminate <laughs> them a little bit. Okay, so you can catch you can catch sharks depending on right. what kind of shark it is. We'll we'll run with that. All right, so you're booking a, a fishing trip, and you've never been to the ocean, so I definitely no. i want i want to i want to linger there inside of the story. Uh, right. Are you afraid of water? Do you think, or why have you not why have you not gotten to the the big body of water? Um, personally, I live in the Midwest, so I don't. I, I have only been the ocean twice in my life, anyway, because I was visiting coast. But actually, because of my background, I do have uh, like a serious case of thalassophobia. Like, as in, I'm not afraid of the water, but because of my horror background stuff, I'm afraid of what might be in the water. Yeah. And yeah. a couple of times I've been <laughs> in the ocean, I have never gone out above like probably chest height and not very long. It's, and it, you know, and because of movies like Jaws or you see things on, um, like YouTube and stuff of a guy on a paddleboard. And then this big shape goes underneath him. That's just <laughs> fodder for my imagination. I'm like, Terrifying. I'd probably narrow it. I will probably never swim just in the open ocean. Yeah. So Chris, that's another, you... oh, oh yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to ask Chris, um, when you were in the Navy, you were on boats and such. Mm-hmm. I know, I know that not all Navy men and women, use boats in the Navy. So tell me, tell me a little bit about what it's like to be on a boat. Is there, is it different than being on land? Cause I mean, I imagine if they're really big, you don't even feel that you're on the water, right? I was on a couple of aircraft carriers, both for a pretty short amount of time, like a week to two weeks at a time. Um, but yeah, one time in particular, we felt the waves and there was like a couple hundred people all going to sick bay throwing up at the same time. Cause you can't, <laughs> you can't go outside when it's that bad so you're stuck inside and that just makes it worse yeah (laughs) but we saw a lot of sharks actually to really bring it a little bit full circle because once you get out so many miles from uh from land they just put all the food trash in like a burlap sack and throw it overboard Mm. and the sharks just follow the boat so i saw a hammerhead shark just following the boat one time that's interesting yeah wow huh i did not know that (laughs) yeah all right so there we go we have we have uh we have our fishing trip scheduled. We're ready to get out there. There's some okay. catharsis. That's the element of the story that you're you're setting up I right now, so. Craig, is we're looking for catharsis to kill a shark yep. just because the pain of losing uh, a loved one is is too great to to deal with in any other yeah. way. So where do we go from here? And I'm yes. I'm also wondering if the horror part of it's gonna be uh you like catch these sharks and then just throw their like mangled bodies out for everyone <laughs> to see them somewhere. <laughs> like <laughs> tossing them aside like a carp. See if we can hang them off the side of the ship. Yeah, love it. <laughs> okay, so, <clears throat> all right, I talked to Jesse, and she wants no part of it. She doesn't get, I think she just, total avoidance, wants to try to move on, but does not want to partake in this nonsense that I've come up with. So I'm going on my own. I think it shows there's a little bit of a, like, um, a mental disconnect too to get so angry at sharks for something that you you don't even know is sharks yes. it's sort of it's sort of like um yeah like losing losing a child they go off to school or something and uh they they go missing and suddenly you become angry at uh like 
ice cream truck drivers. Right. Yes, a yes. possible connection, but ultimately, like, there's no ice cream truck within yep. a thousand miles of of this, and and you're mad at sharks. Yeah. So I agree with Chris. I think there has to be kind of almost a horror element where you come unhinged uh, as as the story moves forward. I'm just guessing at this point, but uh, I'm close enough with Jesse that I feel her pain, and I need to lash out at something, and because of something I saw associated with sharks and there's sharks in water and sharks attack people and they occasionally kill them. So it's quite possible. Or maybe I just, the religious side of things, I don't want to accept that things Mm. just happen or that kind of thing. So I need some kind of vengeance or some kind of retribution or something. So fly down. I've got my fishing trip all set up and I head out on the water. I went on a deep sea fishing trip and, uh, outside of Tampa Bay, my uncle, uh, Doug lived there with his two kids. And so Doug, Mary Beth, myself, I, and my mom all went deep sea fishing, uh, for snapper and tuna and such. Uh, it was so boring. I was young. I was old enough to drive, but still young. So I think I might've been just 16. I might've even just had my learner's permit. I was young, young, but, um, the drive down was really impactful. The drive back was very memorable, but being on that boat was like the most boring experience of my life. It's funny. Can't go anywhere, you know, and at night, like you can't sleep right. because the sea, the ocean spray is like, just, yeah, it was awful. I hated it, but uh, my mom had a good time. So anyway. <laughs> okay. So, yep. All right. We're on the boat. We're ready. We're ready to rock okay. and roll your story. Let's kill some sharks. Let's have some mania. Let's, let's right. get dark. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll throw out lines and we'll catch this first shark. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll catch a couple of fish beforehand and and maybe I don't give a crap about any of those and hand them off to anybody else that wants them because I'm focused on finding a shark. And so we'll toss out and then finally I'll snag a shark. What happens when you catch the first one? I assume it takes, I don't know how long to reel the damn thing in, depending on how big it is. And, and we'll, as it's coming up, I've got all this anxiety building because I've got this shark in front of me and it, it's probably not the shark that killed the nephew, if, if at all. And, but I, uh, so I'm just kind of thinking about it well, the whole time I'm reeling this thing in, trying to decide what's going to happen next. You have to kill it, right? I mean, it has to die. The yeah. Shark has oh, to yes. Die. Yeah. No, it yeah. does have to die. It just for, for any old reason. It's it's got to. Yeah, I'll get it up on board, and I don't know if how they deal with that. Whether they club them if you get a big thing, or if they just toss it in a corner or a hold. Or I'm new. I'm the newbie from the Midwest. I have no clue how this works as far Once- as. Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, you've never done any of it before, so you have kind of these ideas about about what might happen. Um, they have a thing called a gaff. It's like a, okay. a hook with a little spear, and you'll oh, yeah. gaff it inside the mouth, and like. But I think it has to be fairly tired and almost like to yes. the, the point of exhaustion before you even attempt to pull it on on the boat because um, they're powerful when they when they flip their bodies, depending on how big it is. But even like the the um, the snapper, I mean, like those things can you know, break an arm, just, you know, just trying to get out of yours. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that you most likely 
<laughs> have smuggled a, a gun onto the boat. One thing I want to get clear for <laughs> at some point. I don't. I don't know when you uh-huh. when you use it or a flamethrower. That'd be even cooler. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm I mean, how do you smuggle a flamethrower? Actually, I've never seen one before. <laughs> well, you know, in pieces in a case. <laughs> Maybe uh, yeah. a Tommy gun. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Actually, uh, I. I I could, I'm, I probably would have plotted that out. I've got some big uh, fish knife or hunting knife kind of thing strapped on so I can. Yeah. Oh, I have so many ideas of where the story may possibly go. The fishing boat I was on had two decks. It had kind of like the sleeper deck up top. It had a um, a kitchen, all that kind of stuff. There really wasn't much room to to move around, but you could comfortably have 40 people fishing around the, the side of it. Right. I've uh, seen a few fishing boat type things like that. Yeah, I was yeah. curious in in your story in the story we're in. Did you did you hire a private boat? So we're on like a kind of a smaller boat that maybe just has a couple of bunks or something like that. Or what? That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Not. Uh, so yeah. It's really if close quarters horror is where we're going. Yep. And I'm yeah. And I'm thinking I'd spend the extra money to get a smaller version so I could get more of a uh, something fitted to me to get what I want the way yeah. I want. And a one-on-one. That's what I was thinking too. And uh-huh. it, you can, you can kind of get this point where you, you need enough people involved. So that'd be my other question is who do we have right. on the boat right now? You've got the guide. Yeah. Uh, you, oh, captain. Jesse didn't come. You've got you yeah. know, guide, the captain might be the same person. How many yep. other people are there and what's their role? I'm guessing a handful at most. And I don't know how small you can go on these, but I, it could be just I you did, and the captain if you want. It just, it, you know, and I mean, sure. socially. Okay. So I would just, say, you, you know what? I'd say a, a few other people. We need some, we need some like camp it. and fodder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's just a couple. And then we get the shark and I'm staring at the thing and I've got the knife at my side. But I, I think all this emotion and angst and anger comes up and. I come walking up on it and just start stomping on its head as hard as I can. Is oh wow! And then I suppose uh, what happens if I slip on that slippery head and flip over the side of the railing and down Ooh. in the water? Oh wow! Okay, wow! I don't. <laughs> you tell me. I don't. <laughs> know. I'm just totally engrossed, <laughs> and and you know you're in a rage and stomp on that head, and and then suddenly you lose your balance and flip and loop in the water. You're off. You're off in the water with your knife. With my knife. There's more sharks. I'm in the ocean, which I've never swam in. And yeah, probably, I don't know how high up they sit, but I'd probably go down a little ways yeah, before most, I surf, flounder back to the surface. A little, little weather rolling in, maybe. A little bit of wind uh-huh. picking up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, not a perfect day. How magical does this get? Do you, do you, are, you are you somehow going to turn into some sort of like uh ocean breathing creature that you're going to you're going to go hunt the sharks yourself or do your uh shipmates pull you back aboard? I I think I'm floundering around in the water and and I see something else coming up out of the deep. Oh. Oh. Okay, what is oh. it? Uh, it seems I I I see an eye. I Ooh. I don't know what it is because I'm not well versed in ocean stuff because it's never been my thing. And then, like I said, I've stayed far away, but there's there's some big blobby something coming up out of the deep. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Maybe it could be a manatee. 
Like you beat the hell out of some shark, and then, and then when you finally get all your rage out, then a manatee comes and saves you, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, maybe oh, the well. ocean's not so easy." <laughs> the manatee, the manatee delivers you back to the boat. <laughs> that works. All right, so we're back on the boat thanks to a manatee, right. a friendly. Woo. Thanks, manatee. Well done, Chris. Nicely played. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> that's what i'm here for i just do manatee references on every episode uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that was great though so now we've got we've got our our uh kind of like you've shown that you're uh, coming a little bit unhinged uh we got our nice comic relief and i think at this point now you actually hold it against the, the captain of the boat, the 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 guide, because they let you fall off the boat, and you know that that's how you you lost. Is it nephew, son? It's your nephew, right? In this story, I've lost track of. How yeah, Jesse. Is, I can't remember what I said. Jesse's some relation, but that's Jesse's, her yeah, but yeah, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse's kid. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we, so Jesse's kid is gone. Uh, and and now you think, oh, it's it was it wasn't the sharks, damn it! I thought it was the sharks, but it's actually the the captain, the person who wasn't looking when Jesse's kid was swept out to sea. So now you you're go. kind of formulating I'm some kind of thoughts about, about the people mind. on the boat. Maybe they're right. the ones who need a little bit of justice, right? Because now they're just staring at me, looking at me like I'm crazy, and they didn't do anything to help, and they're just standing there. And yeah, all right. Story of a psychopath. It is. It could be. It doesn't have to be. I okay. mean, we're just we're just we're just throwing um sure whole bunch Bones of things in a crock pot, kind of seeing how it simmers down. So okay, so yeah, I guess somebody will have to hoist me back up over the side and get back on, and and then I don't know. Uh, personally, I'd probably just stand there and try and figure out what the hell is now, because like I said, uh, if I'm somebody else on that boat, I'm looking at me going, what "The hell is his problem, man." Yeah, and <laughs> a lot and of cap- a lot of a lot of anger. <laughs> I don't know where it goes from here. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? <laughs> Save us with another manatee, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Let's see, the, the manatee <laughs> saved us. Uh, everyone's just looking at you, like, uh, oh, they didn't think you were going to make it back. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then what was that? What was that thing called that you were just talking about, where you take the thing in the roof the of the mouth? Oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the gaff. gaff. Yeah, maybe he gets his hands on that thing. He gets he gets the gaff again. He yeah. gets the gaff again. Yeah, our, our so, main character's name is Jim. Jim gets the gaff again. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot help myself. I apologize. All right, so he's got his hands on the gaff. There's a there's a shark, and honestly, I'm I'm thinking to myself, the, there's there's pretty much no way. That just stomping on a shark's head is actually going to kill it. I don't know how big the no, shark is. No, I don't is, think. But I don't think I the shark's it. dead. So we've got a live shark. Uh, they get a stab in the head. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And its gills are still gasping for air. So, yeah, I pick up the gaff and finish the shark. Jab it through his eye, through his head, anywhere I can stick that thing. And Captain mm-hmm. comes over to try to calm me the hell down. And maybe, yeah. I, maybe I lash out at him and catch him. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Straight into it. <laughs> Let's not waste any time. You, you are you're fully unhinged. You're sopping. Apparently, yeah. I'm, I'm wet. I'm pissed off. I'm uh, even though the manatee tried to set things on a good pace. <laughs> everything's no still safety. going to hell. So he grabs yeah, you, my arm. I turn around and I accidentally gaff him. Okay, accidentally. And if you're just you know, <laughs> listening to this, I used air quotes. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> oh, I gaffed him again and again and again. Accidentally. Accidentally. All right. <laughs> so now you have a, a dead captain, a dead shark, a, a ton of blood, and a couple of passengers who we haven't fleshed out. So let's take a, a slight uh, detour to figure out who our passengers are. I'm thinking okay. about um, the – did you guys see Glass Onion by any chance? I, I did not. not. Ah, well, we'll throw that right out the door. I was thinking about that in terms of the people who were on the boat had their own agendas, but um, it's going to very, very glass onion like. I say it's probably more affluent because it's more of a private charter, probably more expensive. So, yeah. So maybe a a couple doing some kind of photo shoot for Instagram. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) They need need that nice ocean background for all of their Uh pictures. All right. Yeah. And. And then maybe a couple other individuals, yeah, just out supposedly to have good time when some crazy person gets on a boat and starts killing, everything. starts running amok. Okay, small space they can't hide too well. So now no. you just, you're you're a very menacing <clears throat> presence, and uh, suppose one of them tries to befriend you, hoping that like if they can you know be on your side, you will go better for them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> How's that I, go? I, I don't know. I, I also got to figure out now the uh, what what's going to happen next. I probably don't know how to drive this damn boat, so or get back yeah. to shore. And then I'm also now facing consequences for this poor captain that was. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so look at you thinking so rationally. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Well, you know, it's those weird, weird moments when the uh, psychopaths actually have these clarity points and. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, we're way out at sea and there's nobody around. That's right. Nobody so, to know. People go missing in the sea all the time. You know it all too right? well. Right? I do. I know that very well. The captain's down and there's four other people. I guess we're going to figure out if anybody else knows how to steer this boat. Is this um, the lucky boat driver can can survive and the other ones the other ones are going down? Nah. No, I don't think so. I mean, if, if you kill four people, you got to kill all five. Right. There's no there's no way back now. Let's say maybe maybe the other people in the boat were the last people who were with the the guy who uh you know was set adrift out to sea. Well not set adrift, but you know what I mean. Swept adrift out to sea. And now he's getting mad and he's just gonna take it out on these guys now because no, no. they didn't right. do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if he killed the captain, he's going to jail. So, and there's nobody around. So, if he takes care of everybody and shoves them over the side, he can make up some damn story. Or, yeah, he can jump off too and just put on sure. a life jacket, wait yep. to get saved, or or see if they're point get the bo- uh, boat pointed back towards shore, and then uh, when they get close, jump over the side with a rope or something and hang off the side and come up with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. All right, I like this. <laughs> Like it's not relative. going where I thought it would, but I like where we've now got a, a psychotic story. Yeah. yeah. Which is just about every time I sit down to write a story, it never goes where I think it's going to. No. Right. 
Okay. So a couple of people are trying to calm me down. Well, maybe somebody goes running over to the captain to see if he's still alive. You know, somebody's got to have some concern, even though they're probably shock though as much, yeah i was gonna say like shock will do a, strange things to a person it does sometimes, yeah yeah sometimes like what you expect it you would respond in a certain situation is not at all right how, how you would respond and so They'll, part of me thinks like the sudden snap the sudden rage is yeah, everybody's just kind of standing back trying to orient themselves to the right terror. that's what mm-hmm. i would say too i'd say if there's somebody on board with a medical background Mm-hmm. They would probably tend to jump in anyway because I think yep. that's that mindset. Yep. And they would assume that even though I was crazy or or went off the deep end, haha, it still they wouldn't expect me to unleash on them too. I don't know if we have that person on board. I, there's always it's your, somebody. It's your story. Who we wants can to have, help. Yeah. I mean, we <clears throat> can have a unicorn on this ship if you wish it. It is it is your story <laughs> straight from the mind of Craig. All right. Well, actually, I mean, the three of us are telling it together, but you know what I'm saying. Right. So, okay. So maybe with uh, the couple, maybe the lady's a nurse. And so she jumps in because she's just that naive. <laughs> Wanted to save people's life her, her entire, her entire exactly. life. Yeah. Doesn't even think about the fact. That I'm not quite in my right mind. Yep. Yeah. And then her, her husband significant other whatever rushes over because he's concerned about me not her and then he come yeah he comes at me and he's trying to calm me down but then i don't like him getting in my face yeah because i'm already pissed off and now i'm a murderer and a murderer i've got this added thing and i'm like oh he's gonna try and take me down so he's next I think you open hand slap him. I'm pretty sure he okay. gets close and you yeah. just whack. Right. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, have you ever open Back hand off, slapped man. anybody before? Has in real life have you ever open hand slapped anyone? Not in anger. I mean, screwing around yeah. with friends and stuff. Okay, I was like, how, how uh, yeah, 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 you yeah. open? You're like, oh hey, no, 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 like screwing around. Yeah, yeah. no, we. I've done that. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, I don't, yeah, I've never tried to take somebody down, just open hand slapping them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody doing that. <laughs> Me too. You probably could. Like, Jody's tall. He's I got would, long arms. He could really get somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you caught him off guard. Yep. And they didn't, ex- I mean, I don't know that this guy would be totally oblivious to my mental state that he wouldn't expect something certainly not ready for an open-handed slap there's something about that action that is just nobody ever expects it possibly if you're having a spat with a lover Um, and you're already kind of leaning forward because of the boat so it's just enough to make your knees buckle right yeah yes and the yep the jounce of the boat on the waves and down he Mm. goes and then and then the other two people are in the background looking at each other, trying to decide what the hell to do, whether to intervene or not. And then the wife, significant other, is now focusing her attention between the dead captain and her SO. And yeah. and that's, I think, when the plan forms that I can only be the one to survive this whole thing. Because if I go back to land uh, in in this vain attempt to reach some kind of catharsis and Jesse finds out that I just murdered a captain. 
that pretty much destroys that whole relationship. So yeah, yeah. the guy's down. He gets gaffed. This then, time the wife tries to defend him. The nurse wife. She tries. Yeah. She tries to stop it. She's not yeah. gonna let him go down in shock. No, like I don't think so. Nobody was expecting the captain, but now, now you're crazy. Now, yeah, now it's totally just off the rails. And so, okay, fighting with her, and maybe we get back that railing, and I realize the potential there, and just shove her over the side. She happens to grab your knife. Okay, uh, as she's as she's about to plunge. And yeah. she strikes down with it, which everybody knows, by the way, this is just a, a, a special moment for you. If you ever have a knife, always strike up, not down. You have more strength and less resistance. So if you have to use a knife, strike up, not down. But she, she can only strike down. She gets in the meat of your hand. Boom! Straight into the boat. She's hanging over the side. We've got like Tom Cruise nice. kind of like theatrics <laughs> going on here. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm nailed to the boat. You're nailed to the boat and she's holding onto the knife <laughs> for your life. And then. <laughs> and then I'm freaking out. The other two finally decide they better do something. And so they rush over and I'm freaking out because I'm now in pain and I see my hand stuck to the railing. So I'm beating on her with the gaff <laughs> and they are tackling me from behind. And a big wave because the weather was coming in. Yes turns the boat and everybody is launched out into the water yes and drifts off and there's an article in the newspaper the next day that uh an entire chartered boat of people went missing and the cause of death is unknown so the captain's still hacked to death on the oh good point yes he's on the that's important yeah i would have missed that the better part is i go plunging into the water and now i'm bleeding on oh, the sharks. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so now everybody's <laughs> floundering in the water and I'm trying to get away from the two that are after me and they don't want anything to do with me and the wife's overboard. Oh, the husband's probably still on board too. Hmm. And so now we're and the boat's doing its thing and the the way I kind of it seems the current is probably enough it the boat just goes off and we can't probably swim back to it. I don't, I know, but I doubt it. I don't. So now, now we're all floundering in the water Mm -hmm. for about 30 minutes until the sharks come in because they can smell the blood, blood, the tasty blood. (laughs) Turns out, turns out humans aren't carp. They're turns out they aren't. Yep. And since I'm the bleeding one, they're probably keying in on me first Uh, and down I go. I like that. I'm really happy with too. this story. I was, no, I, was, I like uh, that. There were, there were moments where I was unsure where we were going. Um, I was too. And we made it. We made it to a happy ending. Well, <laughs> we made it to an ending. A fitting ending. A fitting ending. Yes, thank you. So they say, uh, if, you tell, if you tell a story thoroughly, then the ending should be inevitable, right? Yes. Right. There you go. It was too. And I didn't see that, Craig. I'm, I'm going to give you, know you what? I didn't... Uh, your applause because that was where well, you saw it perfectly. And you too, because I didn't, I didn't think about the wrap around come up and he's out to get his vengeance on the shark and then he gets stabbed so he's bleeding and then we all go in the water and yeah how fitting is it that he meets his demise trying to get his rage out against something that probably didn't even happen in the first place yeah mm. i'm pretty mm-hmm. sure if chris is writing this book the epilogue has the uh the nephew <laughs> return right? return to jesse <laughs> several <laughs> months later and <clears throat> And I, yeah, I'm just gone and 
and that boating trip is just gone and nobody knows what happened and that's funny uh this was good craig i really enjoyed it uh i did too that was fun yes it was this was fun so perfect okay well right now before i let you go please do make sure and tell everybody who's listening where they can find your writing your website your twitter all the good stuff so that people can connect with you Sure. Uh, uh, Craig Crawford. I've got two websites, actually. My personal website is for all of my writing, and that's just craiglcrawfordbooks.com. I've got a list of everything I've written and working on, plus the back page gives you all my publications for short stories. And then what's coming out fall of 2023 is Project Threshold, and it's uh, sci-fi, horror, SCP. Um, the Project Threshold is the world in our current time frame, but it takes the perspective that we are in a multiverse, and mm. monsters, entities, and things slip over to our world from other dimensions, and there's a group called Project Threshold that tries to keep that all in check. And you can find that at projectthreshold.com. Sign up for the newsletter. I'll give monthly reports and there'll be freebies and all kinds of good stuff. Talk a little bit about those reports because I like I like what you do with the Project Threshold newsletter. Um, if you sign up for the newsletter, it's not going to be a standard newsletter. I'm not going to give updates on where I'm at. Basically, what happens is you sign up for the newsletter and you are now indoctrinated and you are a member of project threshold and each newsletter will try to give you more information to pick a department to work in and you'll get information on the direct contact teams who actually go head to head with these things from other dimensions um there'll be a couple of free stories here and there i've got a logo and there's going to be some merchandise i'll hand out decals and some other goodies and And then as we get closer to time, there's going to be a couple of mission debriefings. We've got redacted uh, mission statements and all kinds of stuff. Perfect. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. I got my first uh, email for Project Threshold just recently. Yeah, really enjoyed it. I say right now I've just got a few friends and stuff that are on it. So I'm interested to get feedback from real people who don't know me. And, you know, so if if you enjoyed it, that's kind of my... I feel good about that. It's my aim. Yeah. So make sure you That's send a cool, me cool way oh. to do a newsletter. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I, really, I just, I just wanted to say I that appreciate I, it's, it. I it's appreciate obvious, that. but I wanted to let you know that I thought that. <laughs> no, that's cool. Cause I, I read a lot of newsletters. I follow several people and mm-hmm. you know, and I don't mind the updates and stuff, but it, it, it feels like the people writing them sometimes feel taxed to do it. It's like, Oh God, I got to get out a newsletter. And, and, to me, this was like a perfect, especially with this type of story, it was a perfect avenue to extend the stories and just say, mm. and yeah. to get them in on the background and feed them background. So when they get to story time, they're going to kind of be up to speed of sort of what's going on. Yeah. So thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. Make sure to get me a link um, for exactly how to get people on the newsletter. I'll drop it as a button on okay. my um <clears throat> Perfect. Update when I send it out to my my email okay. list. So um, thank you. Awesome. Yep. You uh, may drop off the call. Chris and I are just going to do kind of a post episode wrap up okay. here for a couple of minutes, and uh, I'll get in touch with you on episode details uh, shortly. Cool. Thanks awesome. for Thanks letting for me do this. Yeah. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. All right. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Yeah. Good to meet you. Yeah. All right. Take care. And we're still recording.
Oof, yeah, I know. I'm getting like sweaty up in here, man. Wow, it is. It is really something. We're still recording, so I'm gonna keep it like semi-professional. But like, uh, oh, if we're recording, I want to real quick say shout out to Heather, the yeah. librarian at the Granville Library, for hooking me up with this room that I'm in right now because my kids are all home. <laughs> and I couldn't do it there. Amazing. I was actually going to ask you about that earlier. I noticed that it was not your your normal sort of substructural industrial yeah. recording environment. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. See, right oh, out there is yeah. the library. Wow, that is so cool. There's little children. For all of you who are just listening in, he could have dropped an F-bomb and I would have, like, those, those poor kids would be scarred forever. <laughs> yeah, and I'm right next to the, um, what's right out here is chapter books. And uh, young reader novels. Mm. So it's like kids have been like walking around and like doing doing twirls the whole time going by <laughs> here. And you're like chopping people up. Like gruesome yeah. deaths. I, I wonder where the manatee came from. I mean, that was that was that was in that was next level uh, just comic relief right there. It was straight from the children. You're looking at the children. And you're like, we need a manatee in this story. Yeah. Well, and I thought it would be a nice, a nice little bit of like. Oh, this is going to go somewhere good because I didn't I didn't think you guys were going to be like, okay, let's make this a positive story now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, that's kind of like day. It's kind of like knock somebody mind. down. <laughs> help them up and then knock them back down again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Yeah, that was that was fun. That was different um than I expected. One of the things that I've noticed in every well not in every storyteller episode I've done is that there comes a moment for people where they're sort of I don't know where this thing goes. Yeah. I, we all have that as storytellers. I don't think I've ever written anything where I've gotten somewhere into the middle and then just been like I've no idea how to wrap this thing up. I don't know where to take it. Yeah. Part of my brain is terrified right now of where I am in my book. I'm like, I have no fucking clue yeah. what I'm going to do next, but I know I'll figure it out. So, yeah. Remind me, um, you, you're not an outliner in the, in the rigid no. sense of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll sit down and maybe make a, like a bullet list of some things that I want to try to hit mm-hmm. and you know, I might get all those or it might just go somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to, I'm, yeah, go. I'm in a, I'm just into your book now to the part where the uh, title character from the next book just gets introduced. Okay. Right. Isn't the next book, the Russian named Ruskov? That's the third book, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the third book. 24 seven of a Russian named Ruskov. Yeah. So uh, no, no, no spoilers on the whole series, but yes, he's uh, for me, he's a really fun character. I, I love playing with stereotypes and like seeing how close I can flirt to the line uh, of, of playing with stereotypes. So he's very stereotypical Russian. Hmm. Yeah. So that's where I am in the book. I think it's only, I'm looking at my, looking at the, you know, I think it's like 15% of the book, 15, 17% of the yeah. way into the book so far. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, that was, that was hard. <laughs> the end of part one, that was hard. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, that was awesome. Good. Well, glad. Thank you. That is, uh, there's a reviewer. I didn't see- I didn't see yeah. it going that hard. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I think it, I think it pays off. I hope it pays off. I have, yeah, I no, have, I like it. I was, I'm yeah. not, I'm not sitting here like that was too much, man. I was just like that, that grabbed me and was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was scared of that. My, my, uh, when, when the book was agented, I talked with her a lot, a lot of times about it. And I was like, do you think I need to take this out? We have to brainstorm so much because, um, 
I don't want to spoil for anybody who who's getting there, but it is, it is a moment that's, it's definitely the most intense moment in the book. Um, and it has to happen that way in order to set up kind of a cascade of things that take place because of it. But I, I think like there was a moment where I questioned myself, can I really do this? Am I going to lose a lot of readers? Uh, I know for sure that at least one uh, of the editors we sent it to said that they couldn't because of that. And I was like, Oh man, what, what do you do? But I felt pretty attached to it. So I kept it. Yeah. Well, and that, the other thing too, is one thing that Stephen King says, like I, I heard someone ask him what sets you apart from other writers. He's like, I'll show you things most people won't. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. I'm curious about that. So um, let's talk just a teeny bit about it. Have you read it? No, that's uh, one so of I'm his gonna... books that I haven't read. Okay. I've read, I've read a lot of his short ones and I've read the uncut version of the stand. And right now I'm right in the middle of um, the thickest book in the uh, dark tower series. I think it's book four. Yeah. So uh, the, that's not the wolves of the collar. It's the one before that, right? No, I think it's Wizard and Glass. Yes, Wizard and Glass. Yep. Yeah. That's a good book. I love that series. Uh, I know some people felt like it, it didn't wrap the right way, but I think you'll agree with me when you get there that it does wrap really nicely. The first time I read The Stand, uh, I felt I felt cheated when it all when it all goes down with an atomic bomb, and you're like, "What? That's how this ends? <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no grand conflict or anything. It's just well, you know." Did you read the Did you read the fully uncut version? It's like thirteen hundred pages. Yes, I did. I did, and I know. So I know that there is like there's action after it, but ultimately, like you never do have the battle. I was always thinking that when they were out in Las Vegas, there was eventually going to be like Las Vegas versus Boulder. But in in the truest sense, it doesn't really happen. It's the 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 crazy. I can't remember what he is, but basically the 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 guy who does the, the demon nuke. or whatever he is, yeah. Well, oh, he lives. No, you're talking yeah. about you're talking about the trash man. Yeah, trash man. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. The trash man basically just like sets off a nuke and 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 kills everybody in Las Vegas. And you're like, oh, I I was expecting a grand conflict uh, in in sort of like the the Lord of the Rings style or something. Like there's going to be a big battle for all of humanity or something. But nope, it's a uh, it's a bomb. Yeah. Well, I always thought it was weird. Like at the very end, like is the trash man a good guy because he he keeps like throughout the book he keeps saying my life for you but then at the end he kills the bad guy mm-hmm. like so i was like wait a minute is that him coming back around and being like no i'm a good guy now yeah to me but, it like, reads that's, like it's not a clear answer i don't think either on it yeah i don't think i don't think he's i don't think he's a good guy or a bad guy i was just doing another story episode with uh jason chang and we had a character kind of like that named peaches in his story and she she's all in service of herself like if it's if it's fun she'll do it so sometimes mm-hmm. it results in you know a positive outcome sometimes a negative outcome so um well now you have to read it because there's there's this uh there's when stephen oh, king says he'll show oh you know of it you do know of it i, I but, know i have to read it it's and it's oh, on yeah. my list but yeah. You know, like I said, I'm halfway through right, the Dark exactly. Tower right now, and yeah. it's another one of his longer ones. Too. That's like eight, nine hundred pages. It's a huge book. It's a huge yeah. book. Yeah, it's not that that would stop me from reading it, but yeah. Do you? Do you? Are you the kind of reader who, if you're going to pick up a really big book, you're going to have to be in like the right mindset to be with it for a long time? I'll either pick it up knowing I'm not just going to read that and only that until I'm done with it. Yeah, which is the case with the Stephen King book. It's taken me a long time to get through this one. Yeah. Book <laughs> but for which some a couple of people have told me that that book is a little bit slower reading than the other ones, but then it mm. picks right back up again. But um, yeah, no, I've read a couple of the other stories that have some of those same characters too. Like, uh, what's the one that everyone says is terrible? <laughs> uh, the one about the ass goblins. 
Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, he. It doesn't he even say it's his worst book? Why can I not think of the stupid name of that book? Tommy Knockers. No, not Tommy Knockers. Oh, because that was another one that he said. Um, oh god, they made a movie out of it about the guy who it. like gets taken over by an alien and he gets like locked into this room in his mind and he's trying to keep all his memories away from that thing. Oh yeah, uh, Dreamcatcher. <sighs> Dreamcatcher, yeah, 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 yeah. I liked Dreamcatcher, but you're I right. They it was, are, yeah. It's, I it's, thought the movie was. Eh, I didn't see but, the movie, but yeah, some people thought that the book was kind of weird. And he was originally going to call that book Cancer, but then he thought that that would be a bad omen. <laughs> yeah, I I thought but, that book was really cool, but yeah, I mean those those the the ass goblins as you call them, they are nasty. Like he yeah. he does an apt job describing them, and you're like, oh, yeah. And then he was trying to like monsterify cancer i think basically and that's what he came up with was like these fucking things that come out of your ass and kill you in the worst way possible <laughs> uh, as he's talking there are little children just skipping by in the you know children's reading section of the library like, time's over there yep. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea how close they are to the real psychopath of this <laughs> this episode <laughs> Uh, well, cool, man. Uh, we, we, we did this thing. We did a good co-host episode. One thing is I'm going to send you the text for the intro. Um, you can just use every time I record the text, I just literally use my iPhone, do the voice memos, read it. Uh, I change the initials for TRBM. So it, it says, what does TRBM stand for? And then I pick my own TRBMs, three of them, and you just replace them, read it out, and then text that back to me so um you know whenever whenever you get around to it send that back to me and i will include that in the intro to your guest hosting episode does that make sense maybe maybe it, <laughs> you'll just you'll just open Sorry. up your that's cool i probably didn't so you're gonna her. send me a text message with what you want me to say the exact yeah the exact intro words so everything basically stays the same you'll record it in your voice and send it to me the only thing you need to do other than just record it is change the what does trbm stand for everything after what does trbm stand for you get like toast ravioli um you know button mushrooms or something like that you change those i change them every single episode now so every time the intro comes in you get a new acronym for trbm the really bloated man. Perfect. Exactly. Yes, you just run with it. <laughs> so you, you only have to do three of them and you read it and, and it always fits perfectly inside of the music that you created for the, the theme intro. So it's fun. You'll like it. You'll have fun. That's great. Sweet. Yeah. I, I still keep trying to imagine you being like seven, eight inches taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you're, you're just eye to eye with somebody when you're looking at him on a computer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you then could I, have be... to remind, I have to remind myself, like, I only come up to his shoulders. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's very true i am i am all six foot five um, is your wife tall too well tall for i think tall for a woman she's five foot ten okay yeah my wife is like half inch shorter than me and she's okay. yeah like her um, almost all of her brothers are well into the six six feet yeah uh mark we have a we have a friend here in town named chris uh and he is six foot six and it's so strange because Almost all of my life I spend with my head just slightly tilted down. And then (laughs) when Chris comes around, it feels so weird to not be the tallest person in the room. My brother-in-law, Kevin, he's the tallest of all my brother-in-laws. He's six foot five, maybe six, six. And he said the same thing before. He said, I walked into a room one time where there was three people that were taller than me. And like, 
like I almost like had to catch my breath. I was just like, what are they, yeah. are they doing here? Yeah. You imagine, imagine <laughs> um, like the first time that you see somebody of a different skin color or something like that. If you, I mean, in America, you would never have that experience, but there are countries uh, in places in the world where you only run into people of your own skin color. And then imagine somebody coming in who has like white skin. If you're a black person in Africa or something, how like surreal that would feel, you know, they exist, but to actually be, around them you'd be like wow that is yeah that would be like yeah one or two steps below just like seeing an a humanoid alien yeah exactly <laughs> yeah actually it might be right on par depending on depending so. on how uncontacted your civilization is yeah all of the aliens who are listening right now and they're like we yeah chris just hit on it um we all look just like humans like that's what the aliens are <laughs> yeah yeah oh. Anybody, anybody who's just got like really bad skin or like weird eyes, they're aliens. Aliens. <laughs> yeah. I'm not editing that out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm going to lead with that. That's going to be the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tank to career. All right, man. I'll let you uh, get on with your day. Thanks for your hour. It was a lot of fun. Actually, I will say, and I'll cut this for sure, but I am really appreciative mm-hmm. that you were in this episode because... To be honest, I don't know that the story would have had enough life to air without uh, the the comic intervention, kind of like the little cuts to you. Craig was having a hard time telling the story. And uh, like, I th- I'm sure he's a great writer. Some people just don't thrive in this atmosphere and he was really struggling. So it was, you saved the episode. Oh, good. I'm glad because I didn't feel like I did too much in there, but yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll, I'll invite you again. Um, coming up next month, maybe at some point we'll figure out a good episode where I think it'll fit well and We'll, we'll both get better. I've gotten better at the, doing the storytelling. I did have a lady on that I will not air her episode that told a story about dragons. Um, her mm-hmm. reply to my tweet was spot on. It was hilarious. It was silly. It was unexpected. And she wouldn't collaborate at all. And so there would be this long, like 20 minute stretch. And she's telling this story. And I'm like, so atmospheric, so detailed, no plot, no tension. Nothing's happening. She's just discovering how to be a, a, a dragon. And it was like, I kept trying to give her moments of tension, anything to spice the story up. I'm thinking about being a listener. I'm like, I'm bored right now. I kind of want to multitask. I know <laughs> things are going poorly. So I finally made her wrap up. I was like, well, I'm coming up on time. <laughs> we got to get going now. Ooh. So she's like, oh, we're almost done with the exposition. Exactly. I know. Seriously. She, that yeah. was more or less what happened, but. I was, uh, we'll have to come back around. That reminds me, I don't know why, but that reminds me of a student I had one time that I was like, hey, if anybody ever wants to just show me something you're working on, I'll give you, you know, some feedback. And somebody mm-hmm. turned in, you know, a, a novel. They, they said that this was a complete story and it was like three or four pages, uh-huh. but it was just two friends talking about like what they were going to do when they, they went to college. And like, uh-huh. there wasn't like, they didn't make a plan. It was just like, yep, the future is going to be crazy. was like the uh-huh. end of the story. And I was like, um... The dialogue's really good, but you not, might want to like think about, yeah, you know, having some kind of tension, and then how are they going to ease that tension? Give them some kind of a problem to overcome. Yeah, and they're just like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, never mind, and they like never showed me anything else again. I was like, ah, poor kid. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've run into that uh, different times in my life too, and I think sometimes people, when you say I'll give you feedback, assume that their writing is so good. That your only feedback is going to be like, you are the heir wow. to Hemingway. You need to publish this right now as is. Yeah. <laughs> no editor needed. <laughs> it's every, it is even 
even the misplaced comma was perfectly misplaced. <laughs> uh, oh, you do something in, in your book that I don't see a lot of people do. And I've even had some editors are like, you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah. Elmore Leonard does it where you have something happen in the middle of while somebody's talking. And then you have, and they're saying with a quote, then have a dash with the action, then another uh, dash, yeah. then quote, and then finish it. Yep. I love those. Thank you. I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what you call that, but I love those. I don't know. It's a parenthetic, uh, a parenthetic, uh, it's what it's called or a parenthetical, but I don't, um, yeah. I don't, like, um, you can't, you can't do that like that with the I punctuation. Do whatever I, and, do whatever I want. and every time I just say Elmore Leonard does it. No, like, <laughs> I like Elmore <laughs> Leonard. I like, I like his, his work a lot. Um, yeah. Have you ever read his 10 rules for writing? No, it's a book, but each page is one rule. It's <laughs> okay. very short. It's oh. very short. Wow. Okay. I'm going to check it out. I feel like there's probably a joke in it for everybody else who knows Elmer Leonard right now. Yeah. And one of his rules is like, if you have a whole page that doesn't have any dialogue, you need more dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I I really like dialogue. So I was influenced by um, James Fry, the guy who got exposed for being a liar. A million, million little pieces, I think was the title. I really liked his book about LA, Bright, Shiny Morning. I have not read that one. It sounds so I think it was the first thing that came out after the Oprah shit blew up. Okay. Yeah. He's, in my opinion, he's a good writer. I do think it was a bad decision to try to claim a million little pieces was a memoir. That was not, that was not well done on his part. But But dude, that's like a movie though. Like somebody saying, Hey, this is a really good novel. But if we uh-huh. tried to sell it like a memoir, we could probably sell five times as many copies. So he's thinking like, oh, instead of selling 5,000, maybe I'll sell 15,000. Right. And then it <laughs> ends up getting Oprah book listed. And he's like, fuck. Dang it. That sounds like straight out of a movie, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Yeah. And then the person the person who actually pitched the idea to him doesn't have to take any responsibility for it. It's not in writing. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I recognize that setup too, because I, when I worked for, for the company that sold sunglasses, my boss, before I be, took his position, he left and I got to the position he was in. Um, he always used to say, you can do that. Just don't put it in writing. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm going to do this thing, but nobody will ever have any written proof. And then I can't get in trouble. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, get it in writing. Well, they said, yes. get it in writing. Yeah. And then if you if they if you tell them I want to see it in writing and they go you don't need to see it in writing say well we don't need to do this then that's right yeah that's a perfect way to end this thing all <laughs> 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 right stop Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? <laughs>